hear the trippy music, you know what time it is. It's time on Mutiny Radio for Some Call Me Tim. Some Call Me Tim here at Mutiny Radio. Joined today by Matthew Quirk. Yes, I'm here. Hey, Quirky. What's in the background? Is there are you? Uh, is there a computer? Beep, 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 beep. No, I'm setting an alarm system at one of my clients' house. Oh, cool. Oh, wow. So you're working. You're double dipping. You're working and alarming. Yes, I'm just trying to support Muni Radio as best I can. I really appreciate that, uh, <laughs> Matthew Quirk. Uh, you're going to be in the Get Out the Vote show on november 2nd super excited about that people need to vote people need to know what's going on did you watch the debates last night Uh, i know i didn't watch it because last time it was just such a uh, waste of time i skipped it and i wait for other people's analysis i i I got the gist of it in general i sort of it's like watching a slow moving uh disaster right car crash Uh, i got to watch it only because i was at work and um we had it on at the bar and I couldn't hear it but I was reading I was reading all of the subtitles so there were certain things that I picked out my, my favorite moment was actually um, when Pete Buttigieg starts talking about Roe v. Wade and I'm like this is amazing that the, the gay guy is the one who brings up the rights of women it was just really funny to me that there's all these women on the panel and Buttigieg is the one up there going like Oh, yeah, this is a human rights issue, and we need to change this law so it can't be overturned every time we have new judges in the White House. And then I looked it up. He's been saying that since last May. He's been like a champion for women's rights. And it's just so funny to me that he's a dude. (laughs) There's women up there, and they aren't talking about women things. I just I thought that was funny. Yeah, there's a lot of those, uh, I don't know, discrepancies, maybe, is the word we're looking for. <laughs> sure. Um, so this uh, is usually this is usually some call me Tim where we talk about religion, but I have Matthew Quirk on today, comedian, uh, pundit, uh, hilarious dude, and, uh, and really uh, one of the most up-to-date political advisors that we have in the comedy community. So uh, I thought that it would be interesting to talk to you for... About about whatever we can talk about religion too, but I feel like, and I, I'm not going to say that like politics is your religion, but you definitely know what's going on and keep yourself versed of the like the political gestalt. Yeah, I try to keep abreast of things. It gives you certainly something to talk about and think about. Yeah, abreast of things. How many breasts were up on that stage last night? Like eight of them. Wow! Like you talk about challenging the glass ceiling i really loved um elizabeth warren's outfit it looked like she'd just come from yoga and it looked like she wanted to take her rack and press it up against the glass ceiling to give a really good cleavage shot and then i'm i'm joking but the the ladies all looked really good yeah, look at you, Pam, once again, objectifying women. I know. And, uh, hey, I'm objectifying everyone equally at this point. I'm objectifying everybody. And I would, speaking of political, and while we're on that subject, uh, you asked how many breasts were there. Well, everyone there uh, had, um, you know, breasts. Technically, you know, men have yeah. Those little tiny nippled. Yeah, but did you, see the, and, did you see the guns on, no, I'm kidding. Um, the, the guns on Beto or or on Buttigieg because they're from the gun-toting states. Um, but also, I mean... They're also trying to appear virile in the face of uh, a very aged 
Right. Group. Well, let's get, I mean, I don't know what you think about it, but I say let's kick Biden out the door. Can we just get rid of this guy? He not, yeah, he's, my joke is Joe Biden. Yeah, Joe <laughs> Biden. Good. That's really funny, actually, Matthew. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, get him out. And, I mean, I would say my favorite ticket would be Elizabeth Warren for president with Bernie Sanders as her vice. That I could get behind because he's going to die anyway. And so, yeah. but then he also, well, you never know who's going to live to be a hundred. I mean, uh, uh, Jimmy Carter's in his, you know, mid nineties now. Sure. I mean, he, you know, Strom Thurmond seemed to last forever. Yeah. And, uh, those are two viable, uh, agents, people that you just can't predict, you know, it's, it's about being with it or not. I think he's still with it. I oh, he's, he's definitely uh, with it. Older than Joe Biden, but Biden, I think, is not really with it anymore. Sure. Uh, well, he doesn't he, have the he seems pulse to of the babble youth. and all that sort of stuff. But uh, I, I feel I, I always have to bring this up. Um, you know, the, the guy I think is really uh, overlooked and that we should be concentrating on is uh, Andrew Yang. Oh, I love um, Yang. Dude, I read his I, whole plan. I actually understand his plan of where to get the money from for the $1,000 a month. Although, the one thing he doesn't specify, he says that if you have services like food stamps or disability, that that'll go away when you get your $1,000. You get to choose between your disability or or your $1,000, and usually the $1,000 is more. But does that also take away my Medi-Cal? Like, is it all... for me, getting an extra thousand, if you took away my Medi-Cal and you give me an extra thousand a month, it's actually not worth it. I'd rather keep the Medi-Cal because I'd have right. to pay for my own off. insurance and then all my other out-of-pocket stuff. Like the the health insurance, the insurance, the medical system is so broken that I love the thousand dollar idea, excepting unless I get to keep my healthcare services because otherwise my life stays exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, his plan isn't to radically change everyone's life. Um, you know, how, how will this $1,000 a month change Jeff Bezos' life? Oh, right, exactly. Well, maybe uh, maybe that person could donate it and give it to cancer research or buy or their child a pony. It gets lost in his billions and you never, you know, right. it, it's, it's so nothing in, in that kind of relationship that, you know, it, it's... And, and we could spend all day worrying about that thousand dollars, but the point is, everyone gets it, nobody cares, you know. Right. It's like, Except for um, me, I mean, and I think for you probably as well, a thousand dollars would change everything for me. If I didn't. Extra- well, no, but I mean, like the, the fact is, nobody, no one's tracing everyone's thousand dollars because everyone gets it. It's all lost. Money is fungible. Um, you know, it's like you know, it, it it's something that quickly everyone's panicking about it now. But once everyone has it, no one's going to care anymore. You do whatever. Nobody cares. Everyone has right. it. Blah, blah, blah. Why are we talking about it? You know? Exactly. And, um, you know, as far as your Medicare concerns, you, you have the option to maintain the status you have now and forego that $1,000. Right. If that works out for you financially. And if it doesn't, then uh, give up what you have and take the $1,000. Uh, I know, but then all know, I do is keep the $1,000 and not have met, and then I wouldn't have met, a, I wouldn't. Well, that's where you skip the thousand and keep your medical. It works out. I mean, like, you know, you could take that thousand dollars and apply it to your medical, or you can take that thousand dollars and apply it to your whatever, you know, to food, and then you still have, you know, you still have the what's it worth to me? Right. Sure. 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 You know, 
and and if you give what you know to me it's um if you if you get two thousand dollars worth of Medicare and you're not getting your thousand dollars and you're whining about your thousand dollars, I say take the thousand dollars and then you're going to whine about your two thousand and then I'm going to say you should have kept your two thousand. Right, <laughs> right. You need to break that down for you. Uh, so why so else? It, why do you like Yang so has, much? It has uh, it, it's got some flaws and some kinks will have to be worked out. You point out one that you know some people it's not worth it, um, but. You know, everyone who points out some flaw in the system, you know, currently our system has a lot of fucking flaws in it. So, Amen. Um, you know, <laughs> what about lazy people? Well, we have lazy people right now with perfect capitalism. So I, you know, we're probably going to have lazy people in the future, too. You know, so. Sure. Why, what, tell, tell me the other reasons why you like Yang. Um, I feel that all the other candidates... They might be looking at the problems of the future, but they're still using um, solutions of the past. Mm. Uh, and um, I feel Yang is looking at the problems of the future and look and using solutions of the future. Fair. Part of the reason we have like these tangled messes of like taxes and our healthcare system is because people, you know, agree to change things. Without really changing anything, so they'll just staple some solution under the current system that's causing the problem that they're stapling a solution to, and then people are gaming it for whatever reasons and their, whatever their abilities are. And and Yang is sort of like, no, we got to do this. I know we have ca- you know capitalism. Just giving people money is a terrible idea. Well, we have to have a whole new way of understanding and thinking about all these things yeah and and part part of it to you know so it's like yeah there's going to be some burn down the house a little bit but we're going to rebuild a new house that uses uh solar power and reclaimed water and you know right like, right and real know, technologies we're going to take it to the future uh, well because and we have to look at the and we didn't really even talk about it i don't think yesterday the the, the automation of what's happening with a lot of our jobs and that they're yeah. going to be disappearing. We're going to lose like 70% of our jobs in the next 10, 20 years to robots. And you can't tax a robot. You can't put income tax on a robot. So what are you going to tax? Are we going to tax the goods and services? Are we going to tax Amazon more? Are we going to, because if you've got, if you get rid of all the people and now you've got a bunch of robots, someone's making money and it's not the people. Well, well, that is the point. Like, where does this money come from? Well, we take a little piece out of Jeff Bezos. Take yeah. a little piece out of Elon Musk. You know, the guy, and, and uh, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, the people who are benefiting tremendously from the situation, from right. the automation, and, you know, making them pay a little bit. Well, then it becomes also kind of the Bernie Sanders model. How much do you need? Like, billionaires. Like, why do you need? And then once you have those billions, you're just making money off of your money. Like your money does stuff for itself because of all the tax loops and everything. There's no work left. It's just lucky you, you have all the capital and your capital just keeps compounding upon itself. Whereas like, I've got my tiny little 401k I started when I was in my 20s and I'm like, oh, there's a little more money in there. I see it growing. I see it growing, you know? And, but then with the, with the bubble bursting in the thousands, like, my my grandma lost 70% of her portfolio that she'd been working on 
since the 50s. She had like IBM and ATT. She had all this like Pacific Bell, Ma Bell. She had all of this crazy, crazy old stocks. And when that bubble burst, who lost all their money? Not the rich people. Like my fucking grandma. (laughs) Like that's why we didn't get any. Anyways. So. No, you're right. Uh, you hit upon a, a, a number of subjects. I mean, uh, I always like to point out, uh, you know, it's a crime against language that million, billion, and trillion rhyme. Uh-huh. Uh, they really have almost no relationship to each other. Um, do, you, do you know what a thousand seconds? Do you know how long a thousand seconds is? A thousand seconds. Well, if 60 seconds is a minute... Yeah, so I'm, before you have to do the math, it's about 17 minutes. Oh, okay, all right. Do you know what, do you know what a million seconds is? Um, I'd have to add some more zeros. Uh, uh, seven, 17,000 minutes. <laughs> which is what? <laughs> um, yeah, then I'd have 17. to divide by, t- tell me the answer. It's uh, 11 days. 11 days. Oh! <gasps> Do you know what a billion seconds is? A trillion? No. A billion. A Let's billion. A billion first. Okay. A billion. That's gonna. I'm gonna guess it's eleven years. It's thirty-three years. Thirty. Like thirty-one years. Wow. And and now for a billion, uh, a, a trillion seconds. A trillion seconds is a hundred years. Thirty-one thousand years. What? Yeah, that is such an interesting mathematical a way to like pick to put a pictograph in my head of those numbers, and and that's so crazy that a million, a billion, and a trillion, a a thousand, wow, because wow, that's insane, and there are people that are billionaires. Yeah, and trillionaires. And there are there there are people who are trillionaires. That's crazy to me. And, uh, and certainly organizations that have trillions and all that sort of stuff. Right. So pe- people throw around these words and they sort of blend together in our minds. And the numbers are so big, we, we can't really conceive of them. Right. Right. So all this sort of talk like, well, I earned my money. I get to keep it. You know, it's like, well, you're so beyond what a person needs to live. Right. Uh, I don't feel sorry for you that we take, you know, half. Well, and that they, they feel that they need to live in some extravagant way when we have 8,500 people that don't have homes in San Francisco and not even like van homes or like car homes, like no homes. So yeah. not even like the question, the people who have sort of housing, but like no housing, 8,500 people. And I was saying like, why can't we just do Fleet Week like once every five years? Why do we have to do Fleet Week every year? Because we could take that $65 million from Fleet Week and we could house everybody in San Francisco. And yet, so the money is there. Like, that's the thing that's so funny is like when you talk to the Republicans and they're like, well, where are you going to get the money from? You're going to raise taxes on that. Yeah, we're going to raise taxes on the people that are making stupid amounts of money. And well, it's also like, all right, um, you know, they. My answer to that is, is like Jeff Bezos. Where are you going to get the money? Right. The, you know, they, the right sort of hates Jeff Bezos, and it's like he's filthy rich. He's a perfect example of, of like, where do you get the money? Hey, Jeff Bezos, 
Uh-huh. And they're sort of like, oh, now they have to choose between uh, hating your idea and hating Jeff Bezos, you know. Well, he, even even um, last night on the, the thing when Bernie said that there shouldn't be any billionaires. It's a ridiculous concept. No one should be a billionaire. And then Jeff Bezos even goes, they go, they, he says, well, let's ask the billionaire up here. There's only one billionaire up here. What do you think? And he said, I think you should tax me. He was like, absolutely. He's like, I should be taxed yeah. more. And um, there's really no no reason not to. Um, you know, they certainly drive on the roads the rest of us drive on. Mm-hmm. They certainly put, you know, the Army protects my lifestyle. Yeah, kind of. You know who it really protects? A billionaire's lifestyle, yeah. you know? And, uh, you know, Andrew Yang says that uh, we need to remind these guys that they're Americans. And it's like, yeah, darn right. Uh, when you have that much money, you can, like, buy countries and live anywhere and like you don't have to you know they don't suffer the same things that we suffer right they don't don't go hungry they don't choose between fries and no fries on their burger right i mean and that's real i mean joe rogan said when you have a certain amount of money everything is free exactly well and all of the people the stars and everything whenever they go to the oscars they get crazy gift bags everything when you already have enough money everybody gives you everything anyway so it's like you know, that's... Yeah, I, I've experienced that with a little, you know, I used to hand out flyers and books for this thing called the Cannabis Action Network. It was like, we wanted to legalize marijuana and hemp and cannabis and all. And uh, someone who finally made it. You did it. In, in rock and roll, stopped by our booth. And we're like, here, take a t-shirt, here, take a book. And he's like, charge me money. You know, when I was right. a suffering artist, everyone made me pay. Now that I'm a millionaire, everyone gives me stuff. Right, it, that's crazy, right. He, he couldn't take it, you know? Like, <laughs> well, Stephen King is the same way. He says he's written yeah. articles and said, tax me more. It's ridiculous that I'm not getting taxed. And he specifically gives, he has losing ventures. He runs two radio stations in Maine. And he's like, goes, yeah, I know radio stations don't make money. I know it. But he's like, I run it and I have business. I, this is their jobs and I run radio stations. And I'm like, that's great. Thanks, Stephen King. Yeah. It's and. And what's becoming clear to me, while we're talking politics, uh, the civics, the general knowledge of civics amongst your average American citizen is so depleted yeah. that we don't even understand the sort of checks and balances, and we don't know how to apply it in our lives. Like, we should have these, like, lost leaders, like, uh, KQED or whatever, NPR, they should go out and make money, you know? It's like, no, actually, they should just be allowed to give us straight-up news. Right. And, you know, even the, I mean, aren't there times in your life where someone who finally gives you the bad news truth and you're like so grateful, you know? Like, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Because I'd rather know I'm the truth yeah, than be, than be snowed. There's nothing, there's nothing worse than think that the cognitive dissonance of thinking things are one way and then realizing the reality is another and that you've been lied to for this amount of time. Like, it's disillusioning. It's weird. Like when you, the only example I can come up with is because we both do comedy. It's like when you have a really mediocre set and someone comes up and te- comes up and says, wow, that was really, you did, you were great. And you know, you think you're like, was it in it? And then if you keep thinking that you were doing great when you weren't doing great and somebody lies to you and tells you you were doing great, then you have no idea what reality is and everything gets skewed. And then, I mean, 
And when it eventually does come crashing down, when you say, see yourself in a video and you're like, oh my God, they've been lying to me this whole time. Yeah. It's that it's harder. It's harder when you, when you recognize that, I, I mean, Hey, it's the stuff I've been reading about the Vietnam war. Like there's so many, there's so many historical things that we've done in this century and even, I mean, past, but even just this century where we've just out and out lied to our people and a lot of people have died and we haven't really given a fuck. And it's like, oh, well, enough time's gone by with that whole Vietnam thing. But yeah, we lied to everybody and a lot of people died, but whatever. And when does it come out about 9-11? When, or will it ever? Or when is the, when will we have the veil pulled back from our government and see it for what it is? Will we be able to pull back the veil from Trump and people to see like that he's made of bugs? Like that um, Nightmare Before Christmas? You know, the bad guy in Nightmare Before Christmas is just a bag full of bugs. <laughs> and then you pull off the bag and then everything skitters away. <laughs> um, that's yeah, what I feel like. To that. That's what Trump is. Who's going to pull the bag off his head and realize that he's just a bunch of really scary bugs? Well, some of it is we've been so deluded. I mean, uh, I- I've been waiting to talk about this with somebody. You know, at what point are we no longer America? What, what-, what makes us a- America is having stuff like a Congress and a Supreme Court that checks and balances the, the power. Right. Uh, that there isn't just unchecked. And, you know, we've lost that with, like, local policing. You know, it's that one cop who shot a lady doing a welfare check, and he shot the woman in, in Texas. Oh, my Lord. Uh, you know, he got fired and arrested. And it's like, okay, about time a cop goes down. Uh, because there's got to be some sort of like, sure, we give them a wide berth. We give them a gun. We give them a lot of power and authority. But it's not unchecked. Yeah. And, and and that's what makes our system different than, you know, oh, the king says chop off your head, I chop off your head. Like, well, we don't have a king. We have due process. Right. Eventually things go to the voter or to the jury, you know. Because we believe in the fundamentals of human rights and that people have rights. Well, well, uh, yeah, that people have rights and that power, you know, with the quote Stan Lee through Peter Parker, with great power comes great responsibility. Right. Uh, you, 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 you know, this, you don't just get a gun and now you get, you know, carte blanche and do whatever you want. Well, I feel like, like, no, I feel to, like um, uh, Trump's gun right now is Twitter, like letting not not disabling his Twitter account or even suspending him for an hour or for a day after he incited the idea of civil war. That's treasonous. I feel like he made some treasonous fucking tweets to cover up all the bullshit. He had, what, 89 tweets in 48 hours or something. And a lot of them are inciting violence against other people. He's calling people spies. He talked about civil war. He talked, I mean, all of this stuff that's not real. Po- he has gone unchecked. He's completely unchecked. Yeah. He's off the rails and we're letting it happen. And that Twitter didn't suspend him. And that my buddy Latoya got suspended for a week because she's an African-American lady and somebody, somebody in politics who was African-American said something terrible. And she said, Oh, you just lynched your career. And Twitter got a hold of it and said, you are, are using inappropriate and violent language and we're kicking you off Twitter for a week. And yet they won't do anything to the president who just basically said like, all my followers are going to rise up and kill everybody because if you try to impeach me. And it's like, 
And then the whole thing with the, the trans ban, like he's tweeting public policy. That's unchecked powers. There's no, there, he didn't go through the proper channels at all. And nobody did anything. Yeah. Everyone's like, well, he's the president. It's like, what the fuck is going on? So. Well, as I like to remind people, he's only the president. You know, he's not a king. Right. He's only the president. We should be able to do something. And that's part of like what makes us Americans, you know, with him threatening civil war. First yeah. of all, it's not civil war. You're in charge. Right. <laughs> civil war, if I called for a breakaway, you're the government. Um, and secondly, isn't it your job to pull us back from civil war, not threaten, threaten that it'll get worse? You right. Know? Well, because he's doubling down on racism. It's And they've been using... They've been using um, religion as a weapon, as a weaponized tool to be able to fuck with women and abortion and to fuck with the LGBTQ community. And it's ridiculous. You, you shouldn't be able to weaponize religion for bigotry. That's terrible. That's awful. It's, but that's what I feel like that's what they're doing. They're like, they're using the their religious, well, cause we don't, we don't like them gays. We don't like what they do with their with their parts and that's the thing is it's like whose business is it of of the government what parts people want to have and where they want to mash their parts with other people like fucking get out of the bedroom government why are you even there yeah agreed yeah so i don't i don't know the whole abortion thing too is like is this seriously and that's what it's going to come that's what i think it comes down to for the reason that I really think Trump will be reelected is that the people in the middle, especially people who do have a religious thing, they're going to be like, nah, we don't want any of those hippie weirdos with their, their uh, socialism and their crazy stuff. We're ungodless, godless socialism, communism, no gods, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, we're supposed to have separation of church and state, I think. I don't know. Yeah, 100%. It doesn't. It doesn't seem like it. Um. So, what was your? Do you have any f- favorite things you heard about from last night that you're like, oh, that could have changed my mind a little bit, or you're you're pretty solid in the Yang Gang? Um. I don't see him getting real far nomination. No, of course not. I, I think I think if someone picked up his ideas, maybe he could be a he cabinet member. He would be an excellent cabinet member. Yeah, and uh, I think what it's what he's really doing is pointing out, like, look, this problem is not going away. It's really going to happen. Mm-hmm. Better have a solution for it. And yeah. not just a solution, like, you know, people are like, well, when the horse and buggy came around, you know, uh, when the car came around, horse and buggy people, you know, just had to get another job. <laughs> like, and I'm, and to me, that's like, once again, this is a solution of the past. This This happened in my... <laughs> This happened to my grandfather in the um, in the 30s. My uh, grandfather, he's been dead for a long time, but he used to be a large-scale sign painter. He used to make billboards because they were all hand-painted back in the day. And so mm-hmm. he'd do large-scale paintings. That was like his job for billboards. But then the technology changed, and they did um, you know, large things of paper that then they'd glue up. So he was no, his skills as an artist were no longer needed. Like his whole job was just changed because of technology. And 
I mean, and that happens all the time, but now it's really, there's no way to, like when that job, when his job as a painter went away, there became a job of the person that, you know, put up the, with the paper paste, with the wallpaper paste and stuck up the, you know, the big, the big billboard signs or whatever. So there's still a job was created, like his job disappeared, but another job was in its place. Whereas with this new automation stuff, our jobs are being taken and no jobs are being created. Yeah, uh, with the horse and buggy, now there became, you know, the loss of the horse and buggy, now there became like, well, now you're going to reupholster car seats instead of upholstering horse and buggy seats. Right. And, you know, and inevitably there's always some loss hmm. with these changes. Right. Like, they're just like, when everybody used to be a farmer and then mechanized farming, and people went to the cities to work in factories, it wasn't 100% job replacement. Right, right. Well, and the skills aren't necessarily. I mean, that was the thing is that my grandpa's skills well, were as a painter, and now it's and different such. skills. And... But but they were kind of transferable. I mean, it was I think less fulfilling to work in a factory after being working on a farm. Sure. But but inevitably, there's some people. It's not 100 percent. Every farmer now works at a factory. There's some percentage that doesn't. But now we're replacing things in ways that's like. Um, you know, okay, there's no more truck drivers. Well, just get a job at your local um, coffee shop. Oh, uh, no jobs there. We've automated that. Okay, how about the supermarket? Okay, that's all automated too. Fast food restaurants, all automated. Like, it's coming to this point where business is forgetting this sort of cardinal rule of business. Like, someone's going to buy your stuff. Right, and, <laughs> and we have to have jobs to have soon, money to be able to buy things. As they take away all these jobs, then no one's going to buy anything. And all these people who are like, well, I'm a billionaire because I made this invention that you know to automate everything. Yeah, but now nobody can buy the things that your automation is making. Even, I, I mean, I, I, do, I do a lot of cooking for money. And I've always said, oh, well, we'll always need people to cook food. But that's not true at all. There's these new machines. There's, they're going to be opening one down in the Soma where it's six bucks for a burger and you walk in and you press the kind of grind you want, like how thick yeah. that you want to grind. And then you press your done, you know, you want it medium rare, medium, whatever. And it's all timed. You choose your, what you want to have on it. You press the little buttons and then you see it being made. Zoop, 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 zoop. It's being ground. And yeah. now it's on the grill. It's doing this little thing. Do, 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 do. It's going through and it gets dressed chuk, 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 with the yeah. things. And, and then it comes out on the side and you're like, supply demand for a minute. Yeah, well, it's it's. I only... mean, we're we're both comedians, right? How much do you get paid to do comedy? I exactly. Sometimes I've. Uh, I got a free drink on Monday. Okay, a free drink. So now, seven if you bucks. Said, Can I have two free drinks? Do you think that guy could have said no and and then turned to the very next comic and being like, "Do you want her stage time for nothing?" Yeah, and people would be like, "Yes." Yeah, comedian sure. would say yes. Right. And now that guy doesn't even have to pay free drinks anymore. So with this thing, like, you know, I could always cook food, right, but it's going to become a point when, like, three million people want this cooking job. Right. Yeah. Oh. And, you know, so, hey, they'll do it for five bucks less. Oh, well, and that's, and that's what happened when we moved all of our... Uh, all of our manufacturing to Mexico and China. It was it was greedy people trying to make more money, and yeah. it's easier to make what? more money. I mean, that's the whole reason why slavery well, was just, just such a joy at the beginning of America, it, right? You didn't have to pay anybody. To me, yeah. To me, this make more money thing is also an idea of the past. We oh. now have enough to go around. It's about sharing and distribution. 
You, you sound like Star, you Trek, know, the, Star Trek The Next Generation. I've been rewatching it. And one of the things, like the people from the 20th century, they get frozen and they come back and Jean-Luc Picard is like trying to talk to them and explain what's going on. And he was like, I need to find my lawyer. I need. I have many assets that I need to... And Jean-Luc was like... You don't. You don't understand. It's been four hundred years. Humans have evolved past that. We, we have. Everyone has every need taken care of. Everything that anyone yeah. could ever want. We don't have the need to accumulate things and stuff to make ourselves feel better. We don't need that. That's we're, yeah. we've, we've evolved past the idea of. You know, he who has the best house and the best toys wins the game or whatever. It's like yeah. everyone's taken well, whenever, care of. When everyone has access to a uh, replicator. <laughs> you know? Right, right. Um, but what's, what's, what's the true genius of um, Henry Ford? The Ford Motor Company, the original the, um, Ford. That he figured out the um, assembly line where everyone just does one little itty bitty part. No, no. They asked him how much he should pay his employees. And he said, pay them enough to buy my product. Oh, wow. Hey, that's smart. He paid like double the going wage. Because he's like, what's the sense if, to make these cars if no one can buy them? Like, sure. Business isn't a one-way street with a dead end. It's right. a circle. <laughs> yeah. And, and at a certain point, you need to keep going. Like, if I'm the only billionaire and nobody else has a job... Well, then who's buying what I make? Right. Who's going to buy the stuff? It's, it absolutely makes sense. I and mean, that's where Yang is coming at this sort of stuff. Like, hey, guys, as you start taking away truck driving jobs and cashier jobs and all these things, you're really going to hit this level of well, who's going to buy the stuff you're shipping. Right. Yeah. Right now. And the other thing with the... The monopolization. I thought that we had antitrust and monopoly laws in place, and yet Amazon keeps getting bigger, and everything keeps everything that's big keeps getting bigger. You know, like Amazon owns Whole Foods, and Coca Cola and McDonald's are in the same parent company, and ABC and Disney are in, are together in this. Like, it's it's like entertainment and food and distribution are all sort of tied up together like in these because Amazon's crazy to me that I mean someone just got a package delivered next door and so that's kind of why I thought about Amazon it's so crazy that you can order anything online and have it and it's delivered in like 24 hours like that's a job there's a bunch of people having jobs for that but does everyone have to work for Amazon now like is that the future that the only job that you can get in distribution is from Amazon well, as I like to point out, that the reason Amazon could do that is because they have a kind of modern-day slave labor. Oh. Who's their modern-day I mean, slave? Have you ever heard the stories of the people who have to work in those um, warehouses? No, I, I haven't. Is it like, what, 15-hour days and it's hot and they just take goods and put and, them on trucks? And, and stuff like, um, you know, you have quotas. Oh. And... And uh, it's like, all right, well, let's go to the bathroom. It's like, sure, go ahead, but then, you know, your quota. <laughs> you're not here doing this stuff. Uh, you're going to miss out on, uh, you know, it's going to lower your quota. Wow. You know? And you get paid based and off like, your quota? That sounds like, that sounds like um, the migrant farm workers in the fields that they get paid by the box. 
You know, like yeah, instead I mean, of being paid, of- yeah, you get you get paid by the pound instead of by the hour or something, which is terrible. Because then it just, it's like, hey, do this backbreaking work faster. Because <laughs> you're not getting paid by the hour, you're getting paid by the unit. So. Yeah, and think about the reality. It's like, wow, it's amazing how they got this to me in 10 minutes. Well, right. What do you think that took? took? Someone getting it, packaging it, putting it on a truck, and driving it to you. Or putting it do on anything a, a drone. Minutes. You know, like, how do, how do you, you know. Yeah, and why can't people go, why can't people just go to the store anymore? Why is everybody too good for that? Like, I feel like I I mean I don't really buy things online because I don't I just never have and it's just not my not my jam. But there are so many people that everything they buy is online. Well, um, much like the taxi company and Uber, <laughs> they, might have, they might have shot themselves in the foot a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, now Lyft. And, and Uber, are they have these programs where they really do help people be a part of the slave wage economy um, with their indentured well, servitude no, my, car my program. Well, is that taxis, taxis were still using CB radios in the 2000s. Right. CB radios is like 1970s technology. Sure. So they were just sitting around waiting for someone to come and, you know, challenge them with modern technology. Right. You know? Uh, in San Francisco, you'd get in a taxi and be like, I want to go over there. And they would say no. <laughs> well, now for Bayview specifically, I'd like, I want to get to Bayview. No, not going. Or the sunset. Yeah. I'd call them up so, and say, so they were just the right for no. something to go wrong. And yeah. I mean, I've been at retail stores where it's like, do you want my fucking business or not? Like they're treating me bad or ignoring me or, you know, like, uh, even at restaurants today, you know, I walk in to make an order. Are you ready? Do you know what you want? Like, as soon as I walk in, do you know what you want? No, let me see the menu. Then you make a decision, and you look around to make eye contact, and they're busy doing, like, busy, not busy. Uh. And it's like, oh, uh, you got to kind of flag them. Like, I'm ready to order now. And they're like, oh, okay. Like, geez, am I an inconvenience to you? At your job. The computer don't talk back. You right, know? right. Sure. So we have to sort of like live with being human and like, yeah, you're in the service industry, dude. You know, like you got to be a little of service. I yeah, know but I mean, I'm in the service industry and I provide good service. And the problem I find okay, is that the... Pam, you're one data point, but go on. Yeah, but so the people that are, that sometimes I'm serving treat me like a second class citizen because I'm in the service industry. They treat me like I'm Downton Abbey. Like I'm not even, I'm not a real person. I don't exist and I'm just yeah. there to... Well. Some of that is some people are jerks, and some of that is they're used to dealing with a computer, so they don't maybe know interface so much. And I, I've seen a general degradation on all these things over time, like shaking hands, introduce yourself. I mean, I, I feel awkwardly out of place a lot because I don't know how people like meet and you know, like uh, it, I don't seem to judge sometimes with how people get along because I. I the, the standards I'm, I grew up with kind of don't exist anymore. And, right. And, uh, yeah, I understand so that. You know, it's, it's it's chicken or egg, and everyone can sit around pointing at somebody else like, well, they were mean to be first. And it's like, all right, we, we have to, you know, we have to expect a certain hangover of things not being perfect. Well, these entitled, we these entitled under 30 people that make too much money and think they're better than me, it's really starting to get on my nerves. Like, I'm 45, I've lived a long time, and I'm still alive, you little fuckbag. Like, just that they, 
They're so entitled and they think they're so much better than everybody else. And it's like, you're a child. Yeah. I, I guess when I got out of college, I thought I was the smartest person alive too. So I don't know. Maybe it's just a symptom of the being in your 20s and thinking you know everything or something. A little bit. A little bit of that. But we've given them too much money, and that's where they're like, well, fuck you. I've got money. <laughs> anyway, they don't yeah. tip. They don't tip well. I, we've trained them all wrong. Like, I don't know how. It, well, I didn't train them because they are none of my kids. They're not your kids either that you know of, I guess. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so none of the influence. Back to the... Back to the cab thing. It's a super bummer. I had a friend who, she worked as a cab driver for like 18 years and she finally got her medallion and it was right when the Uber Lyft thing happened. And all of her work is basically for nothing. Her whole like life's work of living in San Francisco and being a taxi driver basically just got gutted to, to nothing. And it's awful. It used to be like a real job where you could make real money and now they've lowered the bar so far on it and made it so inexpensive it's it's crazy. And that they um Lyft and Uber have these programs where you're an indentured servant where you'll they'll give you a car, but then you have to work off it's basically like a lease. And then you have to work a certain amount of hours to pay for said car, but you can't have the job without the car. And then you also still have to pay for all the tires and wear and tear and gas and everything. So mm. you have to work like twenty five dollar twenty five hours a week just to cover the cost of the car and that has nothing to do with even starting to make money so then there are people out there working like 60 70 hour work weeks driving in even in cities they don't know like people from modesto coming to san francisco to drive that's so weird like driving in san francisco should be for san francisco people who need jobs or whatever not for people from richmond well, as I recall, part of the promise of uh, Uber and Lyft was less cars on the road. But right. Yeah. Now there's now people. There's like seven hundred and seven hundred and fifty thousand extra cars in the city because of Uber and Lyft. That's what they say each day. Yeah. Which yeah. Is, it sounds about right. Which is crazy. It's like a Lyft. That's like a Lyft or Uber for every single person that lives here. Yeah. I'm. Not, I don't have the money. I don't have a smartphone. I'm not going to do it. Um, la- any any more political leanings, uh, things you've wanted to get out recently? Any rants? You got any rants about the kids? These kids these days, these these um, homo sativas and homo indicas. <laughs> I love that joke. I think it's, they don't remember when you had to take roaches and put them together. No respect. Yeah, I, I always thought homo sativas and homo indicas should get more laughs. <laughs> okay, well, welcome to San Francisco. Now go homo. <laughs> That's a. Any so, other current um, rants? Any any know. new premises you're working on? Political premises? Uh, I don't know. Just whatever comes up. I mean, I'm certainly thinking about uh, impeachment. Oh yeah. Do you believe it? Do you think it's going to happen? I don't know. The Democrats seem to have a way of. Uh, like watching the slow-moving failure of the debates, um, sort of watching this slow-moving failure of impeachment. Yeah. Because, um, like, just the idea, and this is where I get back to what makes us American, and, like, oh, I'm just going to ignore these subpoenas because this is a bullshit process. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, as Trump and his cronies are saying, and it's like... Um, 
first of all, to quote a birther that I knew once, um, if you have nothing to hide, <laughs> then just show it. I don't understand. You know, as Trump would say about uh, Obama's birth certificate, like, I don't know why he doesn't just show us. Right. And it's like, okay, tax returns. I don't know why you don't just show us. Right. Well, and whatever happened to the the Democrats in New York that said, hey, well, if they won't release them federally, we have his New York state tax returns. We'll release them. But then they didn't. Uh, I don't know if that's like an ongoing process. I think you need a court order for it. and it, That stuff takes time. But, um, but, but my, my point is uh, about the whole impeachment thing. You know, everyone's just defying, like, well, I'm not going to answer this subpoena. Okay, send over whatever law enforcement agencies in charge of enforcing subpoenas from Congress, put their fucking ass in jail. Oh, wow. Hell yeah, why not? I, I mean, a comment I'm making on Facebook all the time is, uh, what if a black guy said that? <laughs> you know, I'm just not going to answer your subpoena, so what if a black guy said that? You, you know? Yeah, Exactly. Well, and we're still so, I mean, you you found that you brought up the race thing. We're still like completely racist and sexist and homophobic and relying on, and and relying on old religious tropes that some people still believe, but they're using that to say like, well, my way is better than your way. And it's all about, I don't know, keeping money. I just don't understand why the, the poor disenfranchised people are still voting are still Trump supporters. I don't understand. They they haven't seen things get well, worse. Another reason I like Andrew Yang. Um, basically, uh, Trump supporters and Bernie supporters had a lot of crossover. <laughs> and um, they're both looking at the same problem and problems. They're just not sure of the solution or the cause. Hmm. You know, my jobs are gone. Right. You know, well, why are they gone? Oh, it's uh, immigrants. <laughs> well, is it? Sure, I see them over at Home Depot and people pay for them. All right, so they're not 100% wrong. There's some immigrant job loss. But is that the only reason? You know, that, right. and, you know, you get a guy who tells you the lies you want to hear. Sure. And does this sort of like... You know, power pop stuff. I mean, uh, I'm sure you've had girlfriends that are dating some guy, and you're like, what the fuck do you see in him? <laughs> and, you know, that sort of fell under the spell, or he says, like, the one thing that in her her mind, she's been waiting to hear someone say. Right. And then they suddenly say, and you're like, wow, you yeah. hate black people too. And, <gasps> what? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and, it, and it takes a lot for that to be, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, he's cheating on you. Uh, he, he lied about this. He's, you know, he's taking your money. And it's like, you know, you start weighing these like, well, how much shit can I take before I care enough to break up with it? Right. You know, loneliness versus companionship or, or just the just difficulty believe, the difficulty know, of breaking up for years yeah i know we've been friends for years but i just believe him over you and you're like what the <laughs> fuck you know right. and um they just don't want to divide up the she doesn't want us to divide up the cds you know there's just so many cds where are they gonna yeah, go yeah but i mean let's, let's get lost in the uh, analogy but like the idea of like some people are just so vested in what they 
taken or what they need or something psychological. And he's able to, like, I see Trump as this, like, Borscht Belt comic working out material all the time. <laughs> and some people are just loving it. And, um, you know, they don't care that they get their ass kicked, too, as long as you get your ass kicked as well, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're not really seeing, you know, and it's not all vindictive or, or ignorant or whatever, but it's, it's, at least he's solving the problem. At least he's doing something about it. And, and they're kind of sold on it. And once you're sold on it, all the other narratives fall into play a little bit better. Well, you liberals are, you know, sure. someone broke down uh, things against liberals or, or one of the things against immigrants about like, oh, these, these uh, lazy, you know, drug dealers are taking your job. And it's like, wait a minute, are they taking my job or are they lazy? <laughs> right? And there's a... And there's a bunch of these talking points on both sides. It's like, wait a minute. Are they incompetent or are they running some secret shadow government? You know what I mean? Like, you kind of have to choose one. And if you choose one, no matter which one you choose, the whole illusion breaks up because it can't be both. Can't, yeah. But, and, and uh, you know, when I talk about people with solutions for the future versus solutions for the past, there's, there's also this stuff of, like... Um, you know, what went wrong? Oh, this one thing. Okay, easy answer. But most shit is fucking complicated. And as we get right. more, the thing's getting more complicated. So, like, these complicated answers, yeah, I don't want to hear it. I want someone to just tell me, it's them. And, and that's, what, that. that's why I'm it's sure it. Trump is so comforting it's for people, because he uses small words, and he repeats them, and he doesn't yeah. really ever say anything. So it's almost reassuring... And, yeah, it's, it's going to be great. What does that it's be mean? Great. Yeah, it's make, tremendous. It's going to be tremendously kind of great. It'll be great. Oh, good. Oh, good, yeah. Well, wait a minute. This guy's allergic to nuts, and that one's allergic to chocolate, and this one's allergic to... I've got to know what kind of cake you're making here. You know, yeah, like... Right. No, he said it would be great. You know, so you fill in with your own mind. You know, it's it's it's, it's great psychology. You sure. Know? You fill in your own mind the gaps that aren't answered. and And, like... You know, the idea of, like, uh, you know, we've got a, a, a pandemic coming. Well, we'll just close the border. It's an airborne pandemic. The border closing will not, you know, like, right. we still have planes, and it, it doesn't stop at border, you know. And, like, the complications that we're coming up with are, are too difficult for everyone to follow along with. I mean, that's why. Yeah, what's the, what's the answer, Matthew Quirk? Comedian, pundit. Yeah, it's well. The, the problem is we gotta get ready for a more world, and we've been like dripping down uh, on education, so people don't want to tackle complicated problems. They right. want the easy answers. They want to. I do this. I put that there, and I twist it this way, and water comes out. Like I, you know, like someone's gonna know the plumbing. You know, like <laughs> no, I don't want to know the plumbing. I just want to know how to, you know, the oper- how to operate. The spigot, right? And they just want easy answers because it's because life is complicated, you know. Life is complicated. Why is life so complicated? Does Wait. it have to be this comp? Would we, if if we simplified things, would people still make things complicated because it's just that's in our nature to seek some sort of excitement, and excitement comes through risk or fear. Bit. A little bit. 
And uh, what do you like? So you re- so every time we try to make things simple, has that worked in history? You know, <laughs> I wonder. It just creates other problems. Like, look, we saw like people don't die of infant mortality anymore. Cool. But what's this new thing happening to old people? Oh, cancer. Uh, well, we didn't used to have that. Well, now we do. Well, we'll solve that. And now people have another problem. And like, oh, you know, yeah. like this. Every time we solve something, we just find another problem at the other end of, you know, like what we're really trying to solve for is can't do it. That's true because, you know, we used to, we were trying to solve one problem with uh, like oh hemp ropes are so difficult to make and and they take so long and breaking it and well now we've got this nylon or it's made from petrochemical look at what we solved we took petrochemicals and we made it into this into this into this and now we're like oh shit maybe we shouldn't have been dealing with so many petrochemicals and we're like oh the geez they're all in the air now what do we do now and now we've all got cancer ah Cancer. Yeah, I mean the convenience of plastic. Now you don't got to carry around the you know, glass that might break, you know. But now there's little bits of plastic in all of us. Like, uh, right? Uh, little bits of plastic yeah. in our fish. Little bits of plastic in everything. I, I feel mean, like... look at the opioid crisis, right? Oh. I mean, at every level of the opioid, like throughout the history of opium, at every level, like, oh, we need a cure for opium smokers. Oh, look, morphine. Okay, now we need a cure for morphine addicts. Oh, heroin. Okay, right. now we need a cure for heroin addicts. Methadone. Well, but okay, it's, now we need it, a cure for methadone addicts. Oh, oxycontin. Oh. And I think, though, that oh. opiates were originally supposed to be this great lifesaver. Like, look at this crazy pain medication that helps people survive through, you know, they've had surgery or this or all the things that were previously, like, awful. And they're like, yeah, this is great. Until it's not. And then it just keeps... Right. Yeah. And uh, people then sort of like, I mean, if you... You know, thing after thing, you find some miracle that, like, oh, no longer, like, look, I feel bad. I'll snort this, you'll feel better. Great. Well, then I feel bad after that. We'll snort some more and you'll feel better. And, you know, you know, none of us. Welcome to comedy. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Feeling bad is a natural part of feeling. You know, what, what is good feeling if there's never bad feeling? You know, but. You know, we, we've been recently dealing with, in our culture, currently about the happy all the time thing. Right. Like, I want to be happy all the time. Well, that's really not normal. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, so all these, like I say, every time we come with innovations, they, they, they sort of solve, kind of solve a problem, but do they really solve anything? Right. Yeah. You know, that, be, that being said, I, I'm, I'm all for innovations making things happen, but we still have to appreciate, you know... Um, the suffering a little bit. I mean, suffering I, I mean, breeds character. Often, but everyone's life is so easy and paid for and cushy. We've invented these brutal workouts that all these, you know, that's taking the world. Because our bodies are like, okay, we're totally safe. We're totally healthy. We, we don't have to do backbreaking work, but our bodies are crying out to be used. So we invent these brutal workout systems that, you know, I have trouble getting my head around because I do labor. Right, like, right. I don't, don't want to flip a tire unless you hire me to flip a tire. Exactly. You know, exactly. Uh, parkour makes no like sense to me. Law- lawyers and management and 
you know, uh, coders are doing that kind of shit. You know, people, you know, are Mexican laborers doing CrossFit? Right. Isn't that funny? I'm going you know? to take this pile of rocks and I'm going to move it from over there to over here. Are you landscaping? No, I'm just doing parkour. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's sort of like to take a step back. It's like that's because we need to be using our body. And we've got a life that doesn't need to use its body. Yeah. I've always wondered if people in um, Africa get depression because they're so busy like finding water and staying alive that there's really no time to be like oh I've been thinking about my existential ennui like oh what am I here for what is my purpose <laughs> right uh, you're trying to keep yourself alive yeah. all these like labor saving devices and time saving devices and he's like saving it for what <laughs> right Hey, I wish we could go back to the Laura Ingalls Wilder days of me milking a cow and making butter and cheese at home and because you have to survive. I mean, the only reason to make butter and cheese out of cow milk is that it lasts longer than without refrigeration. Milk is dead within a day, you know. Um, but I, I used to love all that, like, I mean, except for all the killing and murdering Indians and Native Americans and stealing their land. Like, I really like the whole homesteader mentality of like providing for yourself from the land, surviving off of the world that's around you and not all of these like labor time saving devices. Hey, I still darn my socks just because I'm too poor to buy new socks. I mean, I just sew my socks when they have holes in them. Well, and, Mm-hmm. Also, we've all hit those moments in life where it's like, geez, what am I going to do for the next like, three days so the thing I have planned happens, you know? Yeah. And it's like, well, people used to be filled up with, hey, time to make butter or time to fix right. the cheese. We have the storage or time to yeah. know, fix the fence out back. They wouldn't even have time to read. Like, oh, I'm bored. And it's like, read a book. And they're like, meh. But back in the day, like, time to read a book? That's... That's for rich people. That's leisure. You don't. No one has time to read a book because you're busy plowing the field and making, feeding the goats and the chickens. And well, the, you say that, but back in those days, people didn't have like endless labors. Uh, that's a thing of present day. Uh, um, I mean, once the uh, you know once everything was planted, you kind of sat around for a couple of months until your time to harvest. Oh, right, sure. Yeah. And then once it was harvested, you kind of sat around for a couple months till spring. Sure, in the winter, you and you, yeah. But I mean, but a lot I'm, of it was. I'm, gloss, I'm glossing it over a little bit, but there were sort of like peaks and valleys and things. You know, that's yeah. why people invented stuff like making butter, and everyone could play an instrument, and make two hundred songs. And, right. Yeah. You know, darn their own socks and, and and thing after thing after thing. Sure. And making Christmas presents. Uh, what are you going to be for Halloween? And we'll we'll wrap up with that. Are you going to come up with something clever? I came up with something amazingly clever. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have one? Go, go on. What's your amazing okay. cleverness? So I'm going to wear my old wedding dress, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to have a sash that says "Little Miss Cutie Pie," and I'm going as the Bride of Epstein. Uh. That's pretty clever. Right? So I'm going to have my pigtails up, but I'm going to like make my hair be all shooting back like with my gray and stuff so I look like the Bride of Frankenstein. I'm going to put the little nodules on my neck and be like, I don't know if I'm going to be green. I might make myself green. I'll see. 
But I'm going to be the, but I'm going to make myself also look like JonBenet Ramsey, kind of. I'm going to look like a child star, a pageant star, and be the, is that, that's hilarious, right? The Bride of Epstein. That's That's very current and mamey. And all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I get to use my wedding dress. I've always wanted to use my wedding dress. And I still fit in go. it from 2000. And it's really like very princessy and very like that. And so it's perfect. So well, I could be. I'm going to watch uh, El Camino. That's the, uh, the uh, Breaking Bad oh, uh-huh. movie about Jesse Pinkman. Uh-huh. And hopefully Walter White is in it. Ah. Yeah. I heard he's going to be uh, back in it. Well, then I'm gonna. That that'll be enough for me to recycle my old uh, Heisenberg costume. Will you have to shave your head though? Yeah, but it grows back. Okay. Wow, that's commitment. It's that's not good really. Though. It grows back. It's not like. Uh, yeah, well, I like to do things where I don't have to buy anything and be in the costume. Yeah, I'm not. So I can like wear clothes that I own and be Walter White again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, by the way, Cranston, Brian Cranston, yes. roller skater. Really? Yeah. Cool. Um, it's too bad that you can't work something in with the character and roller skates. Like, I can. I can wear my roller skates as, as uh, Walter White. I, I mean, I guess opinion. you could. But no, but that's my whole point is like bridging it together. Like for, for me, I was like, okay, I want to wear my... I want to wear my wedding outfit. I want to wear my wedding dress. Because where else am I going to wear it? It's from 2000. It's 19 years old. I've got to wear this thing. It's very pretty. And I was like, I just want to wear it. How, what kind of, what kind of can I be with that? And then I figured it out. But I can I mean, I guess I could be a bride on roller skates, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't. I, I mean. Well, that's, stick with your Edstein thing. I mean. That's funny. You know, yeah, it's better. It's way better. Yeah, of course it is. Just the right amount of macabre and everything. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I mean, I don't know how it's going to work at the punchline on um, Halloween for their it'll 8 o'clock show. It'll be good. Well, it'll go off. I think it'll go over really well. And I'm like, will I actually be able to get a set out of it? Like, <laughs> well, I'm sure I'll get a great laugh if I stand up there and they say, what? what are you? I'm if the I get picked Epstein. up there, I'm not going to do Breaking Bad material. I'm no, of course do- not. <laughs> no, I do by, but yeah. Uh, Matthew, thank you so have much you, for calling it. Oh, go ahead. Have you done a, a punchline set? Years ago. I waited when, okay, six yeah, years ago. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, when um, when Jeff Samaria was the booker, and then he left, and Mary Van Note took over at the beginning. I got up kind of in the first like month of when very, Mary Van Note took over, and yeah. um, I did not have a good set. And I didn't have any support from the comics. People didn't like me. Well, people have never liked me, but people were specifically like not cool to me about it. And it was weird. And I was like, fuck this. I've been here. I was there every Sunday for 52 weeks, every Sunday. And I finally got up and it just didn't do anything for me. It made me feel like a pile of dog shit. I felt worthless. It was horrible. I think I went up too early. I I was only in my second year of comedy and I, I jumped the gun on what I thought I could do, I suppose. Well, but now for my set, I've got some love and I've got some hate from it. Like, you know, and, and I've when got did you go life. up? How long ago did you go up? Huh? How long ago did you go up? Oh, I, I like the, uh, the week after my, uh, my famous trending week from, uh, Oh, Indiana. wow. Uh, wow. I was hot that week. You were hot trending. that week. So you got to go up. 
Wow. But uh, yeah, you do some. You, there's some weirdness to, to going up there. Are, you know, like uh, there's a couple of comments who've only been around like a year, year and a half, that are like, "Oh man, what are they?" It's like dude, four years, man. Shut up. Yeah. You know, right. Like, well, so I'm worried because I went years ago, but that doesn't mean anything, I guess, anymore. So yeah, I think yeah, I think they're going to make me put my time in again, like forever. And I'm like, really? But I think that's what's going to happen. But maybe. Well, we can all see the evil in that, but there's also an endless amount of comics who are on a rotation. And, the, the, you know, for every one of uh, me out there, there's someone who got up way too early and it still gets kicked every once in a while. And then there's the people who have been going up around for even longer who haven't gone up or only got up once. So it's just like, it's, it's impossible to be fair. It's, that's true. <laughs> that's true, too. That's true. It's, it's, there's a lot of weirdnesses, and we can all stare at our own. You know, I, I, I keep checking myself. It's like, look, there's a lot of comics, that, you know. It's just, and what's Ron to do? He's only one human trying to juggle this whole thing. No, of course. You know, I mean, and there's... I mean, how many, how many people have your story? I finally got up. I didn't do well. I'm sure a lot. Yeah, I'd say most. Their most. First time but well. I, the thing was, I was so embarrassed. I could, I just felt like I could never go back. I was no, so but embarrassed. From like a Ron perspective, like I'm going to roll the dice, but I'm only rolling it once every other week. You know? like, right. <laughs> but the thing is that like, you would think that, but that's the difference is that rolling the dice, it's different when you pick someone who's, who's been in the scene for a year or a year and a half. But when you've been in the scene for eight years. Like, it's not like people don't know who I am. It's not like I'm a new comic yeah. and I have to keep going and be like introducing myself. Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Hi, hi, hi. It's like the guy knows who I am. He knows my name. Yeah. Yeah. But have you talked to him in the last, I don't know how long? Yeah, absolutely. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I went, I've gone four times in a row. I mean. Yeah. Cause I, I would start, I mean, I had to, I had to go like three or four times. I stayed after and talked to him and reminded him that I was around and deserved a chance and whatever, right. <laughs> you know, for and, um, you know, I, I, so I, I try to have mercy on, on, on picking on Ron. Oh, I'm not picking uh, on anybody. I'm not, if I'm not picking on Ron, I'm picking on. No, no, I get it. But like to the, see the it way it works is, and he's getting bombarded by every new jerk. I think they deserve to be the next great thing, and, and uh, of course, you know, kind of got to be fresh in his mind. The, the and thing is, it's and it frankly, isn't. I don't have a problem with Ron. I have a yeah. problem with all the other comics that I see all week long at all these different mics, and yeah. they are clickish and not cool to me. And I'm like, I run Mutiny Radio. Can we be cool to me on a Sunday? Like, Jesus, hey, I hear you. I'm staring at these. But the people like their books, their books, their book, like motherfucker. Yeah. You know? And, and yeah, um, I, just, I just don't get it. It's hard. It's, I, I think it is. I think there is a generational thing that we suffer from because we just are older. And I don't know if when I grew up, I was sort of told that there was this meritocracy thing where like, if you work really hard and you're super diligent and your product is good, eventually everything will work out for you. And that's bullshit. But I was sort of taught that as a kid that like, just keep putting the work in and putting your head down and everything will be okay. And it doesn't matter how hard you work or how many open mics you run or how many showcases you book yeah. or any of it at all. Like, 
I don't know. Well, Pam, I've said cool. it before. I'll say it again. You have a plenty big stage that you don't need punchline or cobs or whatever. That Thank you. You, you just got to gotta make mutiny radio like a fucking... I'm trying. A juggernaut, yeah. Anyway. Okay, you're the best. Uh, go back to work. Back to work here. Yeah, go back to work. You're the best. Thanks for um, talking on Some Call Me Tim. Everybody go see Matthew Quirk. I don't know, everywhere. He's on a show here on the 2nd of November, so come see him then. And um, good luck working and um, being productive, and I'm sure I'll see you later. All right, thanks, Okay, you're the best. Bye! That was Matthew Quirk. This has been... Some call me... Tim. Here at Mutiny Radio, I'm going to play some flat black plastic, as I am wont to do. I'm going to do a little bit of housekeeping here at Mutiny Radio. And we'll be back on Friday. This Friday. This Friday. There it is. This Friday, we have open mic from 6 to 8. We have a showcase from 8 to 10. Then you can catch me at Copyright with Hella Funny. Thanks, Allison, for booking me on that. We have an open mic here on Saturdays from 4 to 6. It's an afternoon mic. We have a Now we have four hours of open mic on Monday from 6 to 8. We have Joke Workshop. And from 8 to 10, we have Joke Workshop Plus so that everybody gets stage time on Monday and the opportunity to work on all those awesome jokes that they have. Um, support Mutiny Radio. Give us some money. I like money. Money will help keep free speech alive. I promise. All right, everybody, be cool to other people. Be nice. Wild Tigers watches over Rogers. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear, too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers.
church youth convention, about 5,000 people in the Squirrel Valley in 1961, 62. And one of the older conservative members was very upset that I was even there. Mr. Speaker, who are you intending to overcome when you sing that song? I tell him, and I'm in all honesty, a song is not a speech. It means different things to different people. I think in Selma, Alabama, a lot of people were singing they wanted to overcome Sheriff Jim Clark, who was uh, beating people up and throwing them in jail. I think Dr. King is thinking more of the system of racial segregation throughout not just the South, but through the country in many ways around the world, because he was a very far-sighted man. I think, when I'm saying it, that the most important word is the word we. Because the human race is either going to make it or we're not going to make it. We're all going to make it, or we're all not going to make it. And in my more optimistic moments, I think we shall overcome. Not always optimistic. It was a white man came here. Remember, I three weeks ago in the sand. It is a white man selling Bibles. And he came in here. He lived in Texas. And he got to talk about the Bible. I said, yes, I said, I love Bible. I said, in every room in my house you go in, you'll find a Bible. I said, it's not cold. I said, it's on, on different chapter. What I read, I said, now. He said, well, he said, you buy the first one now, went around and talked about they had Bibles and how they had them. I said, well, I'm surely mine. I said, one day, one in there on the children, I know she seen them, but you might have to. That Bible ain't in that open on top of that children's drawer. There's a Bible right there. There's a Bible in there up under that table. There's a Bible in the back room. There's a Bible on the table. Mm -hmm. Now, you got Bible. And he got to talk. He said what he was trying to do was sell these Bibles to help him through college. And said he would get married next year in the summer. You must have known him, don't you? I've been a lot of people like that seven times. And so and he got to talking. And so I was cooking dinner. He said, mm, something smells mighty good. I said, what you cooking for them? He said, I think he asked me my heat question. I said, well, no, time to tell you just what I'm cooking. He said, well, I said, I'm fixing a steak and some rice and some toast. He said, mmm, that sounds good. He said, when have I had a steak? Well, when he got done, we got ready to go. He said, would you mind giving me a piece of steak? I said, come on in here and sit to the table and help yourself. Come on, hit yourself. I put it on the table to him to hit yourself. Eat just what you want. You want some water? Give me one more milk and give me one. And he enjoyed his dinner. His steak and rice and toast. Mm -hmm. And he got a piece of his one. You don't know how I appreciate it. I don't know the last time I used to have a piece of steak. I suggest not. That's the last time I had a piece of steak. Me by 
by my address, my full name and everything. So he wants to show me how he appreciated when he grew back home. He was going to send me a car and it'll be worthwhile. Now suppose I had to turn him down. Black Plastic Muni Radio FM.
shouted my name I was carrying two feet of land See the rising sun on this make-believe town White shimmy shining leather, purple so brown I was in the water, you were dry You yelled my name, now I know why I'm still learning how to crawl
I do love living in the city, and if you get if it gets you down when you see a bunch of really bad shit going down, literally and figuratively, do your best and try and go to the museum or go to the park or something and go, yeah, there's good shit and bad shit, literally and figuratively, together, so keep trying. Try and keep an open mind. I've been in jury duty and the judge says that every fucking day, 20 times. Keep an open mind. So I'm passing it on legally. Half squatter, half tenant, no rent. A sort of inheritance. White, in your 30s now and supposed to supply me with vegetables. But you don't, or you won't, or you can't get the idea through your brain. The world's worst gardener since Cain. Tilted above me, your gardens ravish my eyes. You edge the beds of silver cabbages with red carnations. And lettuces mix with alyssum. And then umbrella ants arrive, or it rains for a solid week, and the whole thing's ruined again, and I buy you more pounds of seeds, imported, guaranteed, and eventually you bring me a mystic three-legged carrot, or a pumpkin bigger than the baby. I watch you through the rain, trotting light, on bare feet, up the steep paths you have made, or your father and grandfather made, all over my property, with your head and back inside a sodden burlap bag, and feel I can't endure it another minute. Then indoors, beside the stove, keep on reading a book. You steal my telephone wires, or someone does. You starve your horse and yourself and your dogs and family. Among endless variety, you eat boiled cabbage stalks. And once I yelled at you so loud to hurry up and fetch me those potatoes, your holy hat flew off. You jumped out of your clogs, leaving three objects arranged in a triangle at my feet, as if you'd been a gardener in a fairy tale all this time. And at the word, potatoes had vanished to take up your work of fairy prince somewhere. The strangest things happen to you. Your cow eats a poison grass and drops dead on the spot. Nobody else's does. And then your father dies. A superior old man with a black plush hat and a mustache like a white spread eagle seagull. The family gathers, but you, no, you don't think he's dead. I look at him, he's cold. They're burying him today. But you know, I don't think he's dead. I give you money for the funeral and you go and hire a bus for the delighted mourners. So I have to hand over some more and then have to hear you tell me you pray for me every night. And then you come again, sniffing and shivering, hat in hand, 
with that wistful face, like a child's fistful of bluets or white violets, improvident as the dawn, and once more I provide for a shot of penicillin down at the pharmacy, or one more bottle of electrical baby syrup. Or briskly, you come to settle what we call our accounts, with two old copy books, one with flowers on the cover, the other with a camel. Immediate confusion. You've left out the decimal points. Your columns stagger, honeycombed with zeros. You whisper conspiratorially. The numbers mount to millions. Account books, they are dream books. In the kitchen, we dream together how the meek shall inherit the earth or several acres of mine. With blue sugar bags on their heads, carrying your lunch, your children scuttle by me like little moles above ground, or even crouch behind bushes as if I were out to shoot them. Impossible to make friends, so each will grab at once for an orange or a piece of candy. Twined in wisps of fog, I see you all up there, along with Formoso, the donkey who brays like a pump gone dry, then suddenly stops. All just standing, staring off into fog and space, or coming down at night in silence, except for hoofs, in dim moonlight, the horse of Formoso stumbling after. Between us float a few big, soft, pale blue, sluggish fireflies, the jellyfish of the air. Patch upon patch upon patch, your wife keeps all of you covered. She has gone over and over, forearmed is forewarned, your pair of bright blue pants with white thread. These days, your limbs are draped in blueprints. You paint, heaven knows why, the outside of the crown and brim of your straw hat. Perhaps to reflect the sun? Or perhaps when you were small, your mother said, Manuel Zinio, one thing, be sure you always paint your straw hat. One was gold for a while, but the gold wore off like plate. One was bright green. Unkindly, I called you chlorophyll, kid. My visitors thought it was funny. I apologize here and now. You helpless, foolish man. I love you all I can, I think. Or do I? I take off my hat, unpainted and figurative, to you. Again, I promise to try.
have excellent news for the world. There's no such thing as new wave. It does not exist. It's a, it's a figment of uh, lame Kant's imagination. There was never any such thing as new wave. It was a polite thing to say when you were trying to explain you were not into the boring old rock and roll, but you didn't dare to say punk because you were afraid to get kicked out of the fucking party and they wouldn't give you coke anymore. There's new music, there's new underground sound, there's noise, there's punk, there's power pop, there's ska, there's rockabilly, but new wave doesn't mean shit. Reggae!